Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. And now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is Annalise Stone, who died for about six minutes and came back changed forever. Annalie, thank you for joining me and welcome. Thank you so much. Uh, good to be here. If you don't mind, let's just start on the day that it happened and go from there. Okay. Um, so in 2016, in November 8th, actually, so just, just had the anniversary, um, I had an ectopic pregnancy that ruptured and um, caused me to have internal bleeding that I, I was aware of, but I didn't know how serious it was. And about maybe an hour before I went to the hospital, I had joked about how I was bleeding to death. <laughs> um, and then I woke up in the hospital and I guess I had fainted. They took me and they found out that I had lost, um, uh, at this point, I lost half of the blood supply to my body. Um, so I was dying and I, I knew I was dying. I had this overwhelming feeling of um, panic that set in. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty intense. It, and um, I knew something was very, very wrong and it became physically, it was physically unpleasant. And later, like a, two, a year later, I actually discovered, I realized what it was when I was in front of my classroom teaching science. But um, at the time I didn't know. And it was just like this, I felt like I was going to explode, uh, like a, this tension building up inside me. And as soon as it got to the point where I couldn't take it, any almost to the point where I couldn't take it, I was, I was out of my body and I was in like, you know, when you release a balloon inside a house and it hits the ceiling, you know, and it bounces like that's what I was doing. I was bouncing on the ceiling of like the hospital room and I'm looking down and I see myself and the doctors like crash, you know, I'm crashing and they're trying to resuscitate me. And I had this one thought and it was like, shit, that sucks. That was it. That was like my, my big epiphany was like, oh, well that sucks. <laughs> and then I realized oh, my personality is still intact, right? Because my sarcasm made it to where I am now. <laughs> and I'm watching this happen and I had zero attachment to it. It was just facts. I was just watching a show play, a, you know, the scene play out. And um, I heard the flatline and, you know, I watched them for, it's hard to explain time properly because it doesn't exist the way it does here. But uh, let's say that I'm, above right my body and i'm if i look to my right i'm in the hospital room but if i look to my left i was somewhere else completely i was in this bright white space like a room i guess but i really couldn't see walls it was just lit like very warm white light and i was alone i didn't see anyone i didn't feel alone but i didn't see anybody um and i kept my attention kept going back and forth from the hospital room to the other, you know, where I was in this other place, dimension, I don't know exactly what, but um, then I was like, oh God, my kids, right? So that brought my attention back to the hospital room. And I'm like, Ashley, my oldest at the time, she was 21 and she was up North, like 200 miles away. And the second, I, before I was even done thinking about her, I was in her classroom watching her take an exam in college. Like I noticed at the time on the wall, what she was wearing everything. And I was like, okay, she'll be fine. And then I'm like, Lucy, my little one who was just under two at the time, I just had her, you know, a year and a half earlier. And she was in the waiting room playing with Legos. And I was there like, so you, I was transported at the speed of thought to wherever I, you know, thought of. Um, and then I was brought back to my attention was brought back to the hospital room where they called time of death and they were talking about it. And the, um, one of the doctors had made a comment about how, well, what did you expect? She was just a former drug, a drug addict or something like to that effect, because in my medical records, it had stated that I had um, dealt with an addiction to opiates like Oxycontin uh, 
and had been sober at that point for eight years, but like that was still in my record. So he still used that. Um, he made that comment and I didn't have a reaction to it at that time. It was just a fact that happened. Um, but then I was now not present for here anymore. Now I'm in the, in the left, right? Like I'm the looking left and I'm in this other place and there's no one there, but then suddenly there is someone there and it's me, me looking at me, but it's a version of me that's different. It looks like me, but not really like there's things are off about it. Like I realize I'm looking at me myself, but I, and I knew why I was there all of a sudden it was like, okay. And the one word that was spoken to me was nope, just nope. And I knew I'm going back. But that one word, nope, was encoded with a thousand different messages inside of it that would re uh, like, you know, like reveal themselves over the next years, like, and still happening now. Like, so that one word, like, was like a zip file, I guess you could say, that was filled with other messages that I would get later um, and make sense of or try to make sense of. So I knew nope meant you're going back. And so I got sent back into my body. But before I say that, like, I would just say when we're out of body, you're huge. Like you're everywhere. Like it's this humongous amount of space you're taking up without taking up space. And you're, I could feel that I had a density to me, but I also was intermingling with other energies that I couldn't see, but I could feel really hard to explain. But, um, I realized I didn't have a head or eyes. <laughs> so I don't know how I could see, but I could see in 360 degrees, like, because there was no head bone, like skull to like impede your vision, you know, like at all. So I could just see everything. If I thought about what's behind me, I could see everything. Like it just anything at the thought of at, at the speed of thought you can, it was there available. It's weird. Um, so I get shoved back. I, I remember thinking like, how am I going to fit in that tiny body? Right. Going back in. And yeah, it hurt like hell going back in. So I get shoved through my navel, through my belly button. That's how I re-entered through my body, which was odd because I've never heard anything about like the belly button being like a place for spirit to enter. You know, like that's not something I'd ever heard of. So it was odd. And that's when I saw the tunnel. So like I saw a tunnel on the way back in, but, and that was because I was being shoved through my belly button and it hurt physically painful as hell. And that's what actually brought me back to life. The pain from that is what shot me up onto the table and like gasping for air. So I scared the crap out of everyone in that room. They were not even paying attention to my body anymore. Like, you know, um, and also I was still hooked up to the monitors, but there was no previous beeping that happened to alert them that I was coming back. Right. You know, um, so I just shot up and immediately I knew what had happened. I knew I had died. I didn't know how long it had been, but I started asking him, did you say this? Did you, you know, and I'm like, did you say something about me being a former drug addict? And the doctor was like, how do you know that? He was, and I'm like, please tell me I'm wrong. Like, please tell me I didn't hear that. You know what I mean? Like, cause I understood that if it was true, that would mean that, yeah, I died and like was still able to see everything and what was going on. And he just was like, I'm sorry. I, you know, he just apologizing. I'm like, did you say it or not? You know, he's like, yeah. Um, and then the one guy over here, I think his name was Anthony, maybe. Um, he had dropped his clipboard because he was startled by my awakening, you know, like back up. Um, he looked like he was about to have a heart attack. And uh, I apologized to him. He's like, I, I, he's like, you're okay. Like you were dead. I'm like, right. I was dead how long? And then that's when they told me how long I've been dead for. Um, so I was kind of upset because I didn't, um, I didn't want it to be true. You know, like I didn't want it, those things validated for me because it was scary because I realized like, I just died. Like I, I have kids, I have, you know I mean? This is not something that ever, of course we all die, but it hadn't crossed my mind that, um, I would be in the situation to leave them orphan. Right. You know, like that would be horrible. So, um, and I was really upset with myself that I didn't think more about my kids. Like I, yeah, I saw them and like checked in on them, I guess you could say, but I wasn't like sad about it. I wasn't like, who's going to take care of them? Like those thoughts weren't present. None of the negative kind of thinking processes were present at all during this experience. So I was beating myself up about that for a while. Um, but over time, like I said, there was encoded messages. And so over time I started to get the answers for what I was 
what I had been questioning about that experience. But um, that's what happened that day. And uh, I came back completely different. Um, like everything about me was different. My personality, my, my drive, um, my mission in life, what I, my purpose. Um, I had a clear idea now of what I needed to be doing. Whereas before I just, you know, didn't know what I should be doing with my life. And it's changed my selfishness and a sense of ego, like problematic ego has been curbed greatly. And um, now I'm just all about teaching and being of service to other people. Whereas before I wouldn't have cared at all about that kind of stuff in any way, shape or form. Um, but it's been hard because as a previous, as a former research scientist, I go off facts so that I can measure, you know, I can see, I can feel, I can, I can have some tangible, they're tangible, right? You know, for scientific method. This is not one of those things. So it caused, well, like prior to dying, I had a problem and like an internal battle going on. I was always interested in like the occult and like tarot and witchcraft and stuff, but it didn't jive with science at all. Right. And I'd had a lot of paranormal experiences in my life, like really in big ones, like scary stuff that friends have witnessed with me. And I just would not allow it to be true. Like I just would lie. I would tell myself like I made it it's in my imagination. Um, I'm playing tricks on myself, like whatever I had to say to make it okay. Right. You know, because it's not science can't be true. This situation fixed that for me completely. <laughs> like, um, and the other thing too was being raised in a very traditionally conservative and religious home. I was always told that my interest in the occult and things like that were of the devil and I'd be going to hell for that kind of stuff. And had and I had this guilt in me for my entire life. This was I, I died when I was 39, right? You know, 38, 38. So for 38 years I'd lived with this idea that what if they're right? Like, what if that's true? Like, what if, you know, what if I'm going to go to hell because of this, whatever. And I, that is this experience fixed that for me as well. So I came back with no more guilt about religion stuff. And also the understanding that, yeah, science is valid, but science doesn't know everything. And there's no way I could prove what I'm saying, you know, like what I saw, like other than prove I was dead, can't prove what happened in that time, but I don't care because it's my reality. And like, that's what matters. So it, it killed those two big issues that I'd had in life about my belief system, if that makes sense. So, yeah. And now I'm just all about um, furthering my knowledge about it and making a mark and leaving something positive in my, when I leave that I'll have some kind of positive con contribution, you know, attributed to my experiences, I guess. Annalie, thank you for sharing your experience with us. No problem. Did you ever go and verify with your daughters what you saw? Yeah, I did. Um, that was one of the first things when my daughter Ashley found out that I had been in the hospital. You know, she was like, why didn't someone call me? And I'm like, it wouldn't have mattered. You were taking a test anyway. And she's like, yeah, I was. How did you know that? <laughs> um, and I was like, were you? Because I had said I didn't even think about it when I said that to her. I hadn't even thought what I was saying like was a problem. And she was like, how did you know that? And I was like, I saw you in your class, you know? And I'm like, there was this time and you were wearing this. And she's like, stop it. Like, she was mad at me. She thought I was, I was pulling her leg. I was like, I'm not. She's, so she's like, you died. And she wanted, she's like, I'm going to hit you. Oh my God, you can't do that to me. Like, she was mad. <laughs> so, because um, they didn't tell her that part. They just said I was in the hospital, you know, recovering. They didn't tell her I actually died. And your other daughter as well? Yeah. Yeah. So she was in the waiting room um, with my ex-husband at the time. And, and that's what she was doing. I asked, what was she doing? He's like, oh, she was just playing with the Legos on that, this little Lego table they had. And I was like, cool. Yeah, I saw it. So yeah, I tried to verify anything I could verify right at the, when I woke, like right when I came back, it was the first, it was the most pressing thing for me. When you saw yourself, do you think it was another being or entity looking like you or do you think maybe it was your higher self yeah so i didn't have the language for this previously um so it was really hard to even comprehend it but 
since my, you know, started my graduate program in consciousness studies, I'm now of the belief that it was my higher self. And that, um, and also that part of it was me retrieving some fragmented parts of my self that I had lost due to childhood trauma and things and big events that happened earlier on that were also plaguing me um, at that point in my life. Can you tell us about some of the things that were encoded with the no? Yeah, like so um every like so much stuff. Like when I heard no, like first of all, that's a word I would say, right? So it was interesting because it wasn't no, it was not you're going back, it was nope. And in that same tone that I would use sarcastically. So I that's why I also think it was like my higher self, because it was, you know, and it was interesting. So I've heard like since that I've gotten the messages like since then, like, okay, no, everything that you, all of this has been here for you this whole time. Like you are like, yeah, you can see ghosts and yeah, you can hear them. Like anything I think of now, and I don't know the answer to will now pop in. It's like turned something on in my brain. I don't know how to put it. Like before I had experiences after this, it was like that word got in my head and it now allows me to get other messages, I guess you could say, that pop in when I need them. Like occasion, you know, like not all the time, but definitely much more than they were before. Um and so the idea that why I was up there and I didn't care about my kid, like why I wasn't upset about my children, right? Um I was upset in Earth, like on Earth I would have been upset, but I knew, so I got the answer. You already knew you planned this. Hmm. So this is something that had been planned prior, like, um, and I had that feeling at the time too. I just, I didn't know how to put my finger on it. It was like, my life was spiraling out of control. I was, um, drinking alcohol. I'd beaten a, an addiction, severe addiction to Oxycontin that, you know, robbed me of like 10 years, good years of my life. And then turned to alcohol and was acting totally ridiculously. And when I came back, I could not physically drink alcohol anymore. Like literally it killed my addiction within six minutes. Like that death of six minutes made me unable to drink alcohol. Like it just, I can't, like physically could not even swallow it. Like it would just start foaming in my mouth and become not liquid anymore. And, and my doctor could not tell me what the heck it was. Like, he's like, I have no idea why this has caused you to have like an allergy, an a reaction to it now. Like there's nothing medical I can point to, but take it as a blessing, you know, and I'm, I definitely did. Um, but I have a theory on that now too, that I've also learned in, since we've, you know, in consciousness studies that like, I don't need the alcohol anymore because I reconnected with my divine self, like the, my, the aspect that we forget when we're here on earth. Right. And when people, when we use drugs and alcohol, it's like, we're trying to fill something we're trying to fill a void and we don't maybe not know what that void is and i'm starting to believe that it's the lack of connection to our divinity and there i went and reconnected so i did i got my fix i don't need it anymore is there anything that you discovered that you planned for this life pre-birth yeah i guess themes underlying things in my life that have been were kind of obscured to me before are now very visible and that is about teaching and being a teacher and using experiences that I've had, like, yeah, that my life has been really hard and much more than I think the average person. And, um, and because of that, I picked that for a reason because, um, like I need to help other people that aren't navigating so well, like all of the things I went through before that I was like, that's not fair. Why that happened to me? I came back with a clarity of like, oh, that happened to me because I could handle it. And so I'm going to take that and now use it to help other people so that they can handle it. Um, so yeah, like definitely I feel there was a purpose. Like I came back with a fire under my ass, pardon my language, but to go back to college, finish my college degree and go on and become a teacher, which I did within, let's see, this was November. So by August, I was hired in my first role as a teacher um, for high school for, you know, kids that were troubled. Actually, that was the school that I first got hired for was kids with drama like I had and trauma like I had. And um that's I found like when I got that job, I was like, this is fulfilling something for me that my research work and science did not. You know, like this is a different feeling. Um 
and it's my purpose. And it's evolved slightly since, you know, but definitely I have a path and it's very clear to me now. Whereas before it was just, what am I doing? You know, I had no idea. You said that you were intermingling with other energies. Mm -hmm. Can you comment on that? Yeah. I mean, like, so I didn't see anyone, right? Like I didn't see it. Like I didn't see the dead relatives or any of that or any other beings, but I felt them. Like I was not alone. Like, so, you know, when we're out of body, we're like little dots of light almost. I don't know how to really say it, but it's spread over a very immense area. And at the edges of it, you know, where like, I guess if you want to just use your hands and fingers as an example, like as you reach out as far as your arm span can go, you know, it's much bigger than that. But at the ends of you know, like where your fingers would be, you can feel other energies that are like yours, but not yours, like around. And I could feel that like all around me, every like boundary, quote unquote, of myself, which is hard to even define, but I could feel other beings around me. So I wasn't like, oh God, I'm all by myself in this place. I just didn't see anyone else, but I wasn't alone. And you weren't communicating with them. No. So the only communication that I had was with myself, which Mm -hmm. did not happen verbally. It happened in telepathically. Since you're a graduate student and you've been studying consciousness and transformative studies, I'd like to get your definition of consciousness, especially now that you've had this experience. Wow. That's a big task. So I, I mean, it's evolving for me still. But consciousness is like our, I think it's, you know, right now, what has we exist here on earth? Like it's our ability to, you know, identify as a, as an individual, like we're conscious that we're here, but in reality, in the other, how we are truly our state, it's that we are all like, everything's everything else. I don't. So like when we're all part of the same thing, like I don't. I felt this 100% when I was there. Like every difference we have here on earth with each other and the bickering and fighting we have is totally pointless because at the end of the day, we literally all just link back up together to become this one giant sea of consciousness. Like consciousness is everyone's experience over all of existence that we, that is there. It's just, it's around us constantly. And we choose to tap into it or we don't, I guess, you know, Um, I choose to tap into it now. I'm sorry to interrupt you, but what's interesting is even though you tap into the sea of consciousness, you still retain your own identity or yeah. ego. Right. It's similar to whales, uh, dolphin, like um, animals with that, you know, like whale pods, they have their own sense of self. And then they also have their, you know, pod self, right? Where they're part of their pod and they, it, and they have the two different like roles. And I think it's no different with us. We're, we're here, we're individuals. Like the way I put in my analogy is that we're all individual drops of water that when together form a sea of consciousness, like everybody can, is their individual self. But once we're back together, we're all one. Do you think at any point we'll lose our identity completely? I don't know because I'm not sure that our identity that we have now is something that is cosmic, like on a cosmic level, like if that's retained or if it's just for the purpose of learning here on earth like i don't know yet this is something i've been pondering myself but i i tend to think that we would retain our memories but that they would be just be that memories and not necessarily still how we identify you've got a lot of information from when you said no that was like encoded with it but while you were there on the other side Sometimes people will say, like, I know I've known everything or I knew everything, but when they come back, they forget it. Did you mm-hmm. know everything? So, no, but I know I, 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 for me, I figured out what that means like, 100%. So, how I said that I was like, I thought about my one child and then I was taken to her classroom 200 miles away. And then I thought back to my other one, and it was right there in the hospital. It's the same thing. All that knowledge is available to you, but it's not just downloaded to you at that, like, just because you die. It's like, it's there. So all you have to do is think about it and then you'll know it. But there's so much stuff to possibly know, right? Like that, that, that would still be a process, you know, like it would still be a process of acquiring information just because you'd have to still think about it to want to know about it, you know, 
Does that right. make sense? Like, right. so I think, yeah, it's all there for us. It's, but it's not like this giant download that's like, oh, I'm all knowing. It's no, when you ask in your mind, you get the answer, but until then you do, you're still without it. Right. Like that's, it's all accessible. Right. If you can ask. If you know what to ask. Yeah, exactly. Cause you don't know what you don't know. Right. So if you don't know about it, there's no way you know to ask about it. So yeah, it's a process. Do you think our consciousness is separate from our body in a dual system, or do you think our consciousness creates our body? Oh my God. That's a hard one. So I definitely, it's definitely, um, so as a scientist, like former scientist, there's a lot of interest right now. And, um, you know, where's the soul, like, where is it located? Right. And they think it might be in microtubules, you know, the structures that come together during cell division. Um, and they're just, they don't exist any other time than when they're needed. And then when they're needed, they come together, they coalesce from all of the, you know, just random proteins and, and things that are in our cells and they come together and form and they break apart again and then they come back together and they don't, re they don't lose any data when this is happening. So there's, I know that there's some studies out of Sweden that where they talk about the soul consciousness being located within these microtubules because they can break apart and then come back together at another time and place and still have the same information. Right. I honestly think that right now we're not capable of really understanding what the hell is going on in this regard. I think that it's far beyond our scope of understanding and, um, and the science, we have a tendency to what we do this throughout history is like, when we don't know the answer to something, we say it's fake instead of just saying, we don't know. And it's frustrating, right? Because that's not true. Like we don't, just cause we don't know doesn't mean it's fake or not real. Like it means we don't know yet. <laughs> so I think we just don't have the capacity scientifically or even at an emotional maturity level to understand it yet. Generally, everybody has a lot of mental chatter going on. Mm -hmm. Did you notice that was eliminated when you were on the other side? Yeah, I did. Oh my gosh. I didn't even think of that though until you just asked me that question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it was not there. I talk constantly to myself in my head all day long, every day and out loud, even when I'm by myself or not. So there was none of that. Like, yeah, there wasn't. It was, I was present in present time and I was not worried about before or after. Um, I was just there. And that's something that I've struggled to do here. Do you think that that mental chatter is not part of our consciousness or not part of our awareness. It's somehow part of our brain and somehow that kind of locks into our consciousness or something. So for me, okay. So like I learned, like there's something I learned recently that makes, that changes my outlook on this. Like before I would have said it was more of a human issue, like of just having background noise, like pollution, noise pollution, but I'm not of that mindset anymore. I think that it is our dialogue with the other side, like we are constantly talking back and forth. So I, when I would see people that were psychic or that could talk to ghosts, I would, I would think that they were talking to people in like, a, like as in another person's voice was talking to them and they would answer, you know, when you see people like at, pretending or not pretending to talk to ghosts or something, that's what I would think. I think it was a different voice, but I learned very fairly recently that it's not always that way. It can be your own voice in your head. And that's where you're, guides or whatever you want to call it, um, depending on you angels for you or guides or whatever for someone else, that that's how they talk to you. And so when I put that filter on it, I was like, oh, wait a minute. So it could have been my own voice. So the times when I've given myself an answer to something that I've been struggling with and it just popped into my head out of nowhere, that could have been something else and not just my imagination. That opened a lot of doors for me, like to think about it differently. So instead of it just being background noise, um, it can actually be maybe what you're some help that's trying to come to you if you choose to filter it properly, you know, but if it's just bothering you, like you can't, you know, make sense of it, or you're adding to it as on top of it, like with other stress or struggles, then I can see it could get a little overwhelming um, and become more of a human burden. Does that make sense? Just like with schizophrenia, like, you know, with studies on schizophrenia, they've discovered that in people that talk to spirits, there's no real difference there in brain science. Like in the in neurophysiology, brains are almost identical. The difference is the narrative. So if you have a person that's being told 
hey, you're special. You're going to be a shaman. You know, you can talk to ghosts. Like that person's experience with those voices is going to be completely different than a person who's told that they have schizophrenia. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so it mindset has a lot to do with it also. Like, and what your inner narrative is and what your cultural, you know, family upbringing has been like too. Do you think that when your spirit guides or angels are talking to you, they're actually talking to your higher self and then your higher self relays the message to you. Yeah. 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 Like, yes. I, I think that that could definitely be a way I think because I mean, think about like, it's kind of alarming, right? If someone, if you heard a random voice in your head, it would be alarming because that's what we've been told that that's not a good thing to hear voices, right? Like that's a sign of psychosis. So that's not desired. So absolutely like to filter out so that people were more comfortable with receiving messages. That could absolutely be the case. Yes. I think that's an excellent question. Can you talk a little bit about your previous beliefs as you were a skeptic and you didn't believe in the afterlife and how you've changed now? Yeah. I mean, I'm still a skeptic. <laughs> I'm tr I, it's really hard um, for me to believe wholeheartedly a lot of people's stories about things. Cause you know, even though I've experienced things myself, um, I don't know why that is. I just kind of maybe cynical part of me. I don't know. But before I was raised in a really, like I said, religious home and it just didn't resonate with me because I just, I saw like the hypocrisy of like a lot of my family's actions compared to what they're talking about. And around eight years old, like I was like, I don't want to go to church anymore. This is stupid. Um, and then I became the black sheep of the family. So uh, right away. And I uh, proudly hold that title to this day. Um, so I was very, instead, I went to the opposite. I went scientific. And um, I was very, and I think this is out of fear for my, my own fear too, is like my whole life from childhood going up forward, I've been plagued with crazy paranormal things that have happened to me and my family. And like my, I have people that have been witness to it, like scary stuff, like horror movie stuff. That's so hard to accept as truth that I wouldn't allow myself to I'd say no that's my imagination I make I use science as an excuse to not believe in it you know like to deny my own reality literally um and and it worked for a period of time um but as I got older and those things kept happening it kept happening on a regular basis and it's like all right so I can't say I'm a little kid and it's my imagination anymore, right? Like, you know, um, what's going on? You know, like, and I'm just still, nope, I'm not believing it. And then this happened and it's like, oh crap. Well, I guess I don't know everything after all. And um, yeah, so if that was possible, then the other stuff's possible too, right? And that's the scary part is like accepting that that's my reality that happened, which therefore means that these other things our possibility too, you know, like it opens the door to a lot more than just death. Have you noticed after your NDE that you've had cognitive changes that could be considered psychic or paranormal? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. So I read, like I read cards, tarot cards, you know, and, um, I started doing it online, like, uh, on groups. And so I started recording it. Right. Cause I, I didn't, um, I don't remember what I say when I recart. So to help out with my clients, I would like record it so I could try to remember whose situation was what for later. And I watched the tape of the, one of them and I was like, what am I doing? I wasn't even looking at the cards. I was like staring around at the ceiling and like talking to people. I don't remember any of it. Um, I was appalled. I was very shocked by how I looked. I was like, what am I doing? Like, oh my God, I look like a spaz. Like, I, I, who am I talking to? You know, like I, I thought I was just reading cards, but the film shows something different, shows me having interaction with something I can't see and I don't remember. So that was alarming to me very much. I got really worried. Um, and then I started to hear things audibly that I've actually caught on tape. Like I actually have put it like video proof of this. Um, where people call my name in the middle of the night or say things to me, like, listen, pay attention, things like that. And there's no one here except for me. And like, even my security cameras pick it up and it's like, what? So I actually went and got tested at USC. <laughs> I went and had a psych eval done 
in 2018, 2018, yeah, 2018, to make sure that I wasn't like losing my mind. Yeah. Because again, the skeptic in me was like, this can't be real, right? Like it has to be, I'm going crazy. So I went and checked that out and it wasn't that. Do you think that potentially a lot of people may have psychic things happen to them and it's too scary for them and they kind of shut it down? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like, I don't think everybody's psychic. I don't. I mean, I know a lot of people say that we all have abilities, but I don't necessarily think that's true. I don't want to think that's true. It scares me with that idea. <laughs> that possibility scares me. But for the people that do, it's terrifying. I mean, it's scary. Like, I can't lie about that. Like, I still get scared. You know, I, I read cards. I channel, I guess, energies for people to help get them answers. And that doesn't scare me. But when I'm home alone and my someone yells my, says my name and, and they're not, no one's here. That's scary. Like to me, I'm not the perfect. I'm not comfortable with it yet. Trying is really hard. Um, so if I'm scared of it, then I'm assuming a lot of people will be scared of it too. Cause I'm pretty not scared. I'm a lot scared of a lot. So I would think it would be, especially with your group religious. Like if you grew up in a home where it tells you that that stuff is of the devil, like that's terrifying. So you know, you don't, what's the demon now? Like, that's the first thing someone with a religious upbringing would think is like, oh God, the devil's trying to trick me or whatever. That's scary. I mean, so yeah, I think that that definitely um, imp impacts your ability to know if you even have abilities or not. I would think that probably the biggest fear of having any type of experience like that would be the fear that you're going crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, but I learned a little something that I'm so grateful for in my graduate program. And that is, and no offense, like, I hope this is not like that crazy people don't ask if they're crazy. They don't worry about being crazy. They don't go, oh my God, am I losing my mind? Did that really happen right now? They don't check reference. They don't verify. They don't like have that. Um, they just go with it. They're like in on it. They're in and that that's their reality, right? So the mere fact, my professor said, the mere fact that you question it, like the mere fact that you're like, am I God, like, and you worry about it and you take steps to make sure that that's not the case is indicative of someone that's not crazy. <laughs> so mm -hmm. like, um, that's, that's a good point. Yeah. So I guess the, the trick is, is to learn how to relax and possibly communicate. I mean, yeah, I guess I, I've gotten some messages for people since then that have been really helpful for them. So like before I wouldn't even acknowledged it i would have just put it out as imagination right um so yeah you get information you can get you can get information i'm not saying that you always do or will but that's a possibility i mean there's things out there if you're ready i think then that's when they start to come to you you know and i don't think it's a process you can rush or determine at your own time i think it's something that has to happen organically you know um through life experience or through dying i don't know um most people i've talked to that have died have come back with a sensitivity i'll call it to seeing spirits or hearing spirits or knowing things that they don't know how they know it you know did the other side seem dreamlike or more real than here oh that's a good question um it wasn't like when we dream vividly you know um it wasn't like that it was real uh it's a different and in my memory bank if i think of a dream that i had that was really vivid this doesn't even compare at all like it's it's like a million times more than that it's like i cannot forget a detail about it ever it's, it's seared in my mind um it's it's real it was very real and it was very familiar like even though i didn't know where i was i absolutely knew where i was if that makes it i know it doesn't make sense but it was i was home yeah, i don't know I that's was a comfortable common, that's a common way people will describe it as home yeah like i didn't i knew when i heard nope i was like god dang it i'm going back you know like that was like <laughs> I, I knew exactly what it meant. And I was like, oh, here we go. Uh, you know, and I was kind of bummed about it um, a little bit, but not, that was only when I came back. I was like, oh, that was really pleasant. Like I'd way rather be there than back here. Like, um, you know, and then the fact that I'm a mom and all that stuff kicked back in. I'm like, okay, well, thank God I'm back. But for that brief moment, like, I was like, <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely more real, mm -hmm. I guess. But what about comparing it to this 3D world? Is it more real than here or less real than here? It's different. Or it's just different? It's just different. I like, I feel like it's, um, 
like I'm in a room, right? But it, I couldn't see the walls or the floor. It's just like, it was more of a abstract construct in my mind than anything. Like, I guess it was a creation, like a, it was like in my mind, I knew I was in a room. So therefore I was in a room. I don't know. Like it's, it, I think it has to do with what you're, you're projecting from your consciousness, like outward. Right. So where was I going to go? I wasn't staying. Right. Like, so apparently I already knew that. Um, so then what would I do? What would my mind create to give me a space to get a message from my higher self? Right. A room, a waiting room, I guess. Cause that's why I call it like a waiting room. I was like, it wasn't, um, there was no chairs or anything. It was just, I knew I was in a room, I, but I couldn't see the walls, but I knew I was in a room. So it's just my, my knowing was what it was very hard to, I don't expect anyone to understand that because I even still don't understand it. It's the best I can do the language I have available to me at the time. I've been using the word lately. Well, sometimes, and I kind of like this word better. And since you've been over there and you're a scientist, maybe I'm curious if you'd think it's more accurate or not, but instead of calling it our higher selves, what if we called it our complete selves? Yeah. 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 So, right. Yeah. Like the, the original, like the, uh, you know, the actual file, the master file, mm -hmm. um, from which we're, you know, like copied and pushed out to God knows how many dimensions or whatever. Yes. Like I, I could, I like that. That's better. I, higher self sounds a little kind of cheesy to me sometimes too. Like a lot of the spiritual terms I shy away from, cause I feel like they're kind of too, I don't know, like mainstream at this point And like to kind of, they have like that insincerity to them uh, and higher self is one of those terms that i feel that way about so i like yours better yeah and do you think it's possible that this realm that we live in is just a simulation mm -hmm. yep i do i i do i've had like some weird experiences that i feel like are glitches in that reality and or in our reality that are just really bizarre and it's like you know like, like what you know, like you know going someplace and hanging out with people and then finding out that that place doesn't exist in reality like wow. that has happened um yeah like i mean even with i had the gps coordinates still in my car and i went to just drive by it and there's like a house there instead of this apartment building we were in and i'm like what uh and, and it wasn't there um there's been like things like that that happened or just you know my i had an apartment that i lived in in sherman oak that was haunted i get i guess you'd say but they, my stuff would go missing all the time and never came back. Like it never reappeared. So where to go? Like literally, I mean, things like, you know, car keys or um, hairbrushes or remote controls that just vanished and I live by myself and they're right there and now they're gone. Um, or they're in the freezer, you know, like what, <laughs> that happened one time where like my keys were in the freezer and I just walked in the door from work and hadn't gone to the kitchen yet. I put my keys down by the front door and they're in the freezer. Like I, it was just weird stuff like that. Like, I don't know, is that a ghost doing it or is it just a glitch? I have no clue. There's too many weird things that happen. I think that it could definitely be a simulation or a hologram or whatever, you know, I guess. I mean, that's what the government determined, right? You've read I, I the uh, Gateway Project. Well, what was that? I don't know if I've read The Gateway know. Analysis. The, yeah, is that yeah, with yeah, Bob, yeah. Bob yeah, Monroe yeah, yeah. stuff? Yeah, yeah. But, but like I don't, the hologram? I I haven't read the research on that. Can you tell us? Oh, yeah. So the Army Corps of Engineers, uh, you know, physicist or doctor that did the report had said, like factually reported, you know, it's a fact finding document about how the um, our universe is just a hologram and um, and why that is how a hologram can retain all detail of the original, you know. Um, and be infinite copies over and over and, and things can just play out that way. And, and it's really, it's quantum mechanics and quantum physics. It's really hard to understand, but um, it's an it's a amazing document. That's, <laughs> it's very um, illuminating to say the least to know that at least even our government is study has, has studied and put a lot of money towards that, you know? Um, and that was the fact finding was that this is a um, hologram and that we stem from something called the absolute. That's what they put in that document is it's the, all the God is called the absolute. 
So you should, yeah, like it's, there's a, if you, I can link, I can send you like a breakdown of it. Like I found one that a guy does a breakdown of it. So it's not so quantum heavy because that can be hard for people that don't have that background to understand. I can't even really make sense of it. (laughs) So um, there's a guy that breaks it down for you pretty well. Where do you think dreams fit in and what are we doing when we're dreaming? Right. Okay. Well, first of all, like the Western culture is like one of the only cultures that doesn't view dreams the as real, right? So almost all other traditional cultures view whatever happens in your dream time is, is just as significant as real life waking time. So um, we don't, we say it's all, you know, just in our head. And some of it is, you know, I mean, if you've studied any psychology with like dream analysis and interpretation, like there's different categories of dreams and things. And um, so this is something I've been studying heavily in my program. And, you know, yeah, there's some things that are definitely real. I feel like, I mean, I don't know. I think most of us have had a situation where we go to bed and we have a vivid dream and we wake up tired. Like we didn't sleep. Like it was, we might as well have been doing whatever we were doing in our dream. And that in some people believe that is exactly why we're still tired. It's because we are actually traveling and doing things in another realm dimension. I'm not sure. Um, while we sleep. And, um, I, I believe that like, because I've had, I have dreams that are recurring, you know, like scenes. Um, like I have one that's in Greece and like <laughs> I have a condo over there. I know where I hide the key and like, I meet up with my friends and I've actually had recently a situation where one of my friends was like, let's meet in our dreams on Friday night. And I was like, uh-huh, sure. Right. And, but it happened. And I was like the next day I get on Facebook and she goes, Hey, what did you think of my place last night? And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, I know I saw you. And I was like, and she repeated everything that I saw in my dream. And I was like, shut up. I scared. It actually really kind of freaked me out because I was like, I hadn't said a word yet. Like I thought it was just a dream. And she's like, what did you think about, you know, my place and my servants or whatever. She had like <laughs> these like handmaidens in her, like in this dream, it was so ridiculous. And it was like, so over the top. And um, she reiterated it to me. And I was like, what? <laughs> I, wow. Okay. So, I mean, I can't deny that. I mean, it, that happened. Like, so she didn't, unless she was reading my mind, which is just as creepy, you know, <laughs> like, I don't know how she would have known that. So. Yeah, I think it's possible. Um, I think in our dream state, we are reconnect with um, the spirit world a lot easier than we do in waking time. Like I, my uncle, okay, I had an experience about this. My uncle, my favorite uncle, Terry, um, after my dad, like my dad was arrested and went to prison for a double homicide when I was um, two, on my second birthday, he was arrested. My uncle took over like being my dad, basically, um, after that. And I was really close to him, but he died in 2015, right before my near-death experience, actually. And um, I didn't get to say bye. He had died unexpectedly. And he was up north um, in Fresno, and I'm here in LA. And I was so sad about it. And he, I had a dream, and he came to me in this dream. And it was so real. Like, I got up, and I reached around, and I hugged him. I could feel his bony arms, and I could smell his smell and everything. And he told me I was right because we had this ongoing thing about like life after death. Like, is it real? Because my thing was like, I don't really believe in it, but what's the harm in believing it? If, if you know, God, God forbid, it's the opposite's true. And like, if you don't believe in it, you go somewhere bad, right? So we would argue and bicker about this all the time. And he was an atheist, like a staunch atheist. And um, he looks at me and he goes, you were right. And I was like, I know, I know I was right. And then I go to hug him and he just dissipated in my arms and I was like hugging myself and I woke up and I had tears streaming down my face. And I was like, thank you for coming. I knew it was not a dream. Like I, there's nothing anyone could tell me to convince me. Otherwise that was straight up my uncle saying, Hey, it's cool. I'm fine. And I'm so appreciative of that. So if that can happen and that was real, then of course, I think it's we're our guards down our human pollution guard is down while we're sleeping. And that's why um, we can have such fantastical dreamscapes because we're open again like we were kids you know when we had imagination things like that did your uncle appear to you like in his prime no he appeared to me just like himself like how i remember him at his current age of death 
Well, actually, let me take that back. Let me think about, um, no, he actually was younger than when he, because when he died, he had like all white hair, white and gray hair. And so when I saw him in my dream, he did not, he was probably 45. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, I guess so. That yeah. would be my age now. So yeah, I guess I'll say private life. Sure. <laughs> right. Yeah. I feel like a, a, a visitation dream, like what you had, the person usually looks younger and more vibrant and and healthier. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was still like really bony and skinny, like, you know, but that was just him. Um, and he was, yeah, I mean, he looked happy. Um, he had a real problem with agoraphobia and like, you know, he had a issue with social anxiety. So he never really left the house and he was out in my dream. You know, he was at, at a cafeteria where, where I saw him and, and which made sense because he was so about school and making sure I got a good education. And so he met me in the lunchroom, you know, <laughs> Um, of a school to have lunch with me. It was really nice. I was so grateful for that. Do you fear death at all? No. No, I fear, I fear like not seeing my children, like especially my little one, because I have one that's just seven and she's, you know, just the sweetest thing on the face of the planet. Um, and my other one's 26 now. So, I mean, she's like grown and she's doing her own thing now and I'm super proud of her. But like the idea that I wouldn't see the rest of it, you know, um, is fear, that's a bit scary to me, but at the same time, I know that I would still see it anyway. So I'm really not like before I was definitely scared of it. Like, uh, definitely. <laughs> uh, but now I'm just like, Oh no. Cause that's not the end. It's just the beginning of something else. Interesting that you said you would still see it anyways. Are you mm -hmm. saying that you would still be able to watch from the other mm -hmm. side? Yeah. So do, yeah. You, do you think that we can watch or see anybody's lives from the other side? I do. I think that, um, because again, if you think about it, you can see it. So if, you know, I mean, I don't know that how much of a tie remains to this side when we are over um, and it's actually a done deal and we're not coming back because um, I didn't have that experience, right? So I can't really say, but I would assume based on what happened in my experience where I could just think of something and then know it and see it, that that would be the case. So if I was like, well, how's Lucy doing? I would be able to see that. Um, but again, like, I can't say that we would even be thinking that way at that point because it would be done. We would not be coming back. So I can't, but I would, I would like to imagine that that would be the case. Uh, also the time issue though, because time is not like, basically I, the way I put it is when I was on the other side, it was like life here was moving at such a slow pace. Like, um, like super slow-mo, you know, like my time was, I wasn't even thinking about time, but as I looked down um, occasionally to see back into the hospital area, things were really slow. So I, I don't, it didn't seem real time. If that makes sense. Like it was a different, it's non-linear. Like things are happening like at the simultaneously all the time and you're, you can experience it where we can't do that here, you know? So it's hard for me to say that we would, even have the time to think about our past connections on this realm. But I like to think so. Nobody's ever said this, but it'd be fascinating to have someone who was having a near-death experience see one of their friends or relatives dreaming and interact with them in their dream, kind of like a visitation dream that you had. Yeah. I've actually read stories like that in some of my, um, like in my studies about people that have had a dream and they found out that they were dreaming at the time of the death of somebody and that in their dream, that person came to say goodbye. But I haven't heard from a person that was the person dying. Yeah. That would be interesting. Like how mm -hmm. they did that. Yeah. How they infiltrated the dream. Have you had any out of body experiences since your NDE? Oh, um, before I did, um, <laughs> before I had, so that was the other thing is my near death experience. Let me know that, oh crap, I probably died a few times for this. Um, when I was on Oxycontin, like, um, the feeling of leaving my body and floating was happened quite a bit. And so when I came back, I was like, oh my God, like it really scared me. That part scared me. Cause I was like, how many times has this happened before? Like, Oh, you know what I mean? Like, oh God, I got to get my crap together. This is not good. Like, um, so, but yeah, I've had them, but only with like use of like, you know, psilocybin or, or something like that. Typically, I guess 
would say. Those have been pretty intense, but not not really since then. I haven't tried um, to do that, but I've been much more connected regardless. When you did have those out-of-body experiences, did you see anything as well, or were you just oh, yeah. in the darkness? Oh, no, no. Like, yeah. No, I did. Um, oh, my God. This is like, okay, so my little one, Lucy, her name is... <laughs> Her name is Lucy because um, I had an experience where I met her great grandmother who passed away and her name was Lucy. And I verified, like I was out talking to this lady. She's telling me about her life in Trinidad and how we had been kindred sisters before. And I needed to wake up, I needed to wake up. And um, she just said, like, she mentioned something about having some kind of seed and I didn't know what she meant. And then I later found out I was pregnant and that was her granddaughter, my great granddaughter that I had. And her name was mama Lucy. So I named my little one Lucy mm-hmm. after an out of body experience. I had. Like, so um, that's how serious that experience was. And I was able to, and here, the crazy thing is, is that I had just met her father, right? Like I just met him and I, so I knew nothing about his family at all. And um, she told me all this stuff and I was able to verify all of it. and. Not only that, the first time I walked into the house, I see a picture of her. And it was like in this picture frame that literally was like glowing to me. Like it was like, like, look at me kind of thing. And I was like, oh my God, and it was her dress was the same, everything. Cause she was wearing this really odd dress that looked like she was from the 1800s almost. Um, but she wasn't that old. Like, so it didn't make sense. But then I find out in Trinidad, they're behind on fashion by quite a bit. And so they were wearing those dresses at that time. And here's the picture of her exactly how I saw her. Like, and it, I was like, Oh my God. Like, and her name's what Lucy? Oh my God. Like no way. So that to me was a crazy validation that I was like, well, that's what I'm naming my daughter then. Like, cause she told me ahead of time, like wake up and you know, like she was telling me to reconnect with my self like before I'd even died so kind of weird since your purpose is to be a teacher what can you teach us now about life near-death experiences or anything from what you've experienced that will benefit us all so I think the most important thing is to um like everybody worries about you know when I die I'm gonna like look back at my life and I'm like did I do this or that right or whatever you need to be worried about how you, how other people, like how you affect other people. So it's like, you could live the greatest life, but if you're a jerk every day and like you're treating people poorly and it impacts those people's day, you know what I mean? Like if you're rude and say you're like just in a bad mood and you smart off to somebody that's serving your coffee or something. And then that person has a bad day. Like that's the kind of crap that you're going to be like looked at. I think like that is like, you need to be nice to other people. Uh, about like everything you know like don't take your crap out on other people (laughs) and heal your traumas like if you have underlying unresolved trauma all you're doing is perpetuating that stuff to their next generation your kids are going to have it like if you don't solve it like it's really important to like clear the slate karmically for um the next generation that of your offspring because you know like you need to like why would you want them to suffer too so like do the work that's necessary it's not easy work you know to like um, be nice and like not let things affect, um, impact you to the point where you're outwardly acting out towards other people, you know, like we don't even think about it. Cause you're like, yeah, I don't know that person who they don't care. I was rude. They, maybe they do though. And like, maybe now you just set someone else's day in a off and now they've had a crappy day. Cause you decided to be a jerk. Like that kind of stuff I feel is really prevalent in our society this day, these days. Like everyone only cares about themselves and they don't care about community and and being, you know, part of a society, like part of society, like they care about society revolving around them, I think. And it's really important because at the end of the day, we're all connected, like it or not. It doesn't matter what race, religion, I don't, it doesn't, none of that matters. It's all, we're all the same. So like get out of that mindset of being different or better than or whatever, and like start being an active part of your collective. Because otherwise, like what purpose are you serving? You know, like, I don't know. I think you need to take a look in, at the things about yourself. Everyone needs to look at the things they don't like about themselves and actually uh, start to learn to integrate and appreciate instead of suppressing so that they end up projecting all their negativity on others, if that makes sense. Like, I really think that 
why right now we have such dark times and things going wrong and is because so many people just sweep things under the rug and don't hit take care of them head on. So take care of your stuff head on. Have you ever thought about that there are more people on the planet than ever right now? And where are all these souls coming from? I mean, I have no idea. Like I, you know, some of them I think are new, you know, like some behaviors to me, I'm like, wow, you must be new. <laughs> like, um, you don't have that, you know, the very selfish ego driven, um, people. But then again, I was like that and I, now I'm not. So I think I, I'm not sure it could be from other, I don't know. Like, are we humans only here or are we elsewhere? Are we incarnating into other things in other dimensions other universes i have no idea um but there are there's like eight billion of us now right like close yeah, to eight I think, billion I think next week eight billionth person is supposed to be born oh my gosh are you serious yeah our carry capacity for the earth is way below that so i don't know like how i don't know where they're coming from it could be just reincarnated again maybe they're not new maybe they're just here recycling learning less more lessons right mm. i mean and that's the other thing like if this is school, like I want to be done, like I want to graduate. <laughs> so I try to do everything I can, like to be a good person and give back to people and not be selfish. I try. I know I'm not always successful at this, but you know, I do my best. And um, I don't want to have to come back here because we're in a I think it's just going really bad. Like lately it's been getting kind of crazy. And I, I think I'd rather advance to the next level, <laughs> whatever that is, if it's possible. But I, I think we have multiple places that we're supposed to be, like. Um, I, so I, I think a lot of the times our soul, these are just souls like reincarnating again. Um, maybe, I don't know, like as, until I have any proof of, uh, something else that I could just say, maybe just reincarnating back over and over. I, who knows how many lessons we have to learn, you know, I don't know, but, um, it seems like the overall one though, is about loving your neighbor literally the hardest thing that we just can't wrap our heads around for some reason. Um, that's the big one. And I think that's the one that, you know, is the hardest to learn. And that's maybe why we keep coming back. After watching this podcast, people may want to reach out to you and ask you questions. Are mm -hmm. you open to that? Sure. Yeah, that's fine. What's the best way to reach you? So, um, I have, well, my website like is for, I have a website for, um, tarot readings and shadow work, uh, help, you know, or inner child trauma healing. And that's a stone tarot. So it's just like a, like Anna stone tarot.com. Um, and then I also have this that I bought, that's my handle across all social media. So, um, you know, TikTok or YouTube or Facebook, it's all a stone tarot. Um, because that's, I started up that way because I've been reading tarot since I was 12, but I'm using it not the way traditionally you would think I'm using it to help in, you know, connecting people with like their inner, like what they need to work on to heal from trauma. That's how I'm using tarot in this sense. So it's not like, um, get my love prediction reading or anything like that. <laughs> it's more about self-development. How has your tarot readings changed after your NDEs? Oh. Well, yeah, they've changed significantly. Uh, I just, I don't know. Like, it's hard to say. I just, I, I just let it go. Like before I was so stuck on like what each card meant, you know, like, like the definition of them. Now I don't, now it's just like, I get, it's like, it's like tarot is just a key for me. It's like, I use it to open the door and then like, I get information in my head and I'm not even reading cards anymore. I'm just hearing things like, um, and then I just repeat those things out loud. And then the client Will, you know tell me like you know uh how did you, you know like and it's it's been pretty crazy so it's been like yeah like they're like how do you know that like where did what what, what card says that and i'm like it's not from the card <laughs> i'm sorry like i just use that to kind of get things going right mm, i guess yeah. you could say like so connect. before i was really stuck on like this is what this card means and like you know now it's just more intuitive oh. it is all intuitive well are you working on anything that you want us to know about so I'm working on, I'm having to start my thesis here soon, which I'm going to be working on trauma, how, why trauma makes us like why experiencing trauma in early childhood is a reason to be psychic. Like, why does that cause people to have 
the ability to connect to the collective, right? Um, so if anyone has any insight into that, uh, and that would be great, you know, when you, um, because I'm, we're, as far as I know, it's not answered yet. So I'd love to know, like, that's what I'm going to be researching coming up. Um, but yeah, like I'm a research junkie. So like all my research papers I've written are all online on researchgate or academia.edu. Um, and like, I just, my projects are all going to be about research stuff, science stuff, or consciousness studies. So, or stress, like psychology of trauma and stress, and then consciousness are my two fields of interest. And so I'm combining those for this thesis and hopefully I'll get some, anyone that has insight, like I'd be happy to, I'd love to hear from, you know, as to why they think that is. Annalie, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? I mean, yeah, like be nice to your neighbors. Like, don't be, you know, so selfish, like be nice, be kind. If, and also like if we're older and it's really easy to get annoyed with the younger generations, I think, right. As a teacher, trust me, it is. Um, but remember that like, we leave an impact on people. Like, you know, take your time out of the day, like say something nice to somebody. Um, if you see someone you like to offer, compliment them. Like, you never know. We don't know what people's life is like when they go back home. The nice thing you say could be the only nice thing that person's heard in a very long time. And it could do something very, it could lift their spirits just enough to keep them, you know, from doing something harmful or anything, you know, like just be nice. Like you don't have to be so negative. In fact, when you start being nicer, nicer things happen for you. It's like your, your mindset attracts your reality and creates your reality. So if you're negative all the time, you're going to have negative situations happening. So try to be more positive and think on a scale of like, how do you want people to remember you and like act accordingly? Annalie, thank you for that message. And thank you again for being my guest. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.